0: Hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast. Uh, this is episode, oh, 86, where I had the immense pleasure of having Amelia Corman on. Uh, yeah, she is a futurist speaker author. Uh, the book she authored is Diaries of a Shanghai Showgirl, and yeah, she had a very interesting story, how where she literally had uh, something like... 48 hours to get out of like shanghai and yeah she came to the uk where she became a futurist a uh, very interesting story she has and yeah please enjoy the show uh yeah if you have time please subscribe as well have a good day guys and yeah be awesome peace Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. This is episode 86. Today, I am very lucky to have <clears throat> uh, Amelia like Corman. Uh, yes, she is a futurist, speaker, author. And yes, she is here today. How are you today,
1: I'm pretty good. Thank you. I'm glad it's Friday, um, you know, getting towards the end of the week. So that's feeling good. And it's great to finally talk to you in person, kind of, you know, Absolutely. across the screens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Like in person, one day I shall be doing these more in person, but with like, with the big C rolling around. Yes. You know what I mean? Sue, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, um, you have lived quite an interesting life, to say the least. Because look, today you are a futurist speaker, and like, yeah, you're an author as well. Like, <clears throat> when you were at uh, Marymount uh, Manhattan College, did you see uh, this sort of unraveling like the way it did?
1: absolutely not no no so i grew up as a child actress my mother was a director so um she realized at a young age that i needed kind of an outlet (laughs) and uh, i guess i was a bit of a problem child so she kind of took me and put me in the theater which was great and um and i loved it and i grew up doing commercials and some tv work and that kind of thing and we traveled to new york and spent quite a time there um, and then I went to school there. So I studied acting at Marymount Manhattan College. Yes. And, um, and then before I graduated, I had just gotten back. I studied, Ox- I studied Shakespeare at Oxford University for a summer. And I came back and I, <laughs> I went to a party on the rooftop of the Chelsea Hotel. And I crashed it. And, um, and there was a guy going around tapping people on the shoulder saying, do I know you? Um, and people would say no. And he'd say, then get the hell out of my house. (laughs) And, um, and he came over to me and tapped me on the shoulder and I was like, oh, great. I'm going to get kicked out. Um, but instead he told me I was beautiful and he told me I could stay. And, um, and that man is now my husband. Um, But he kind of took me down this other path, which was, um, he was a a nightclub designer, and um, designed a lot of burlesque clubs. And so he had all these like beautiful sexy women hanging around him and he was directing these shows and stuff. And, um, and as we started to go out and things. I, I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't want him hanging out with all these beautiful women without me being around. So, um, so we said, well, you know, come up with an act and I'll put you in the show. And so I came up with this act where I write and perform any movie in three minutes as a showgirl.
0: Any movie in three minutes.
1: Yeah. So, um, so how we would do it was I would, I would, we would get everybody in the audience to write down a movie on a piece of paper and stick it in a hat and I would spend the entire first part of the show, um, which was ended up being an illegal speakeasy that we ran um, on 26th in Broadway in New York and uh, it had a little theater with a full chorus line of showgirls singing and dancing oh, and good. the first half of the show
0: to get into the place.
1: Yes, you needed a password. Yeah. <laughs> and this is before Facebook or before that kind of thing. So everything was word to mouth. Like you really had to know the right person, have the password. And because, um, you know, it was a small illegal nightclub, we really catered towards celebrities. Really? So, you know, people who couldn't, you know, necessarily go out in public without getting hounded by the press and stuff would come to our club. Um, so one of my most, favorite moment ever, probably, was the time that Bjork asked me for my autograph, uh, which was kind of surreal, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so we had these illegal speakeasies, and, um, and, my, and, and yeah, so then halfway through the show, um, after everybody had kind of decided that I was, you know, just a pretty dumb showgirl there to look good, um, I would surprise everybody by taking a movie out of a hat and performing that movie um, in three minutes. So that's how I got my burlesque career started. And then um I can just keep going. If you have I could see you have some questions, but oh, like, <laughs> I,
0: like, this is the thing. I'm quite intrigued. Like a movie like any movie in three minutes, like that like that is a tall order because look, let's just say the movie catalog is vast and, extre- like, and extreme. Uh, trust me, I've tried to go through quite a lot of Netflix over the last few months, and I have, not <laughs> merely, I have not made a dent into it. So what was like one of the most challenging movies someone came, like, asked you to do?
1: Uh, well, okay, so I do like King Kong, Titanic, The Godfather, uh, Dracula, uh, Romeo and Juliet. I do Mulholland Drive. I actually won, um, an award for doing that here in London, um, at a, at a David Lynch, um, cabaret. Um, yeah, but, you know, The Godfather was really difficult, um, because, you know, um, Kate is only in it for about 15 minutes, and, you know, I, I, when, there's a couple things, like, I always like to pick a movie that everybody knows, so they feel like they're in on the in on it, you know, yeah. and, and kind of understand. So, like, Titanic's perfect. Everybody knows the ship sinks, you know? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: hmm. Oh, you've heard that for me now. I, was gonna, I, I wasn't aware of this. Spoilers? Come on, now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, And so, and I always like to play the female character, but then I, you know, and I talk to all these different people and I see everything that's happening. King Kong's one of my favorites. So, it's funny actually, now that I'm talking about it, I'm about to, um, I'm about to bring these back and do them as films I just got a green screen for the Mm -hmm. first time ever it's only taken me this long but um and I have this idea I'm gonna bring back my three minute films but I'm gonna cut it in with the movies and stuff so so yeah I mean that's kind of that's a that's a that's a side that I haven't really gotten back to in a while and I'll I'll continue my kind of story if you want um and then in about 2006 2007 we could kind of see that the um The economic crisis was coming and uh my boyfriend who's now my husband was talking about you know how shanghai and how china was going to be you know the big city the the you know the big power of the next um century and all this kind of stuff and i kind of dared him saying well put your money where your mouth is you know let's go to china and open up a burlesque club you know (laughs) And so we did um you know and we had uh this beautiful old buddhist temple that was um built in, in 1933 and uh it was just perfect and we transformed it into this gorgeous cabaret nightclub called and Colmans chinatown we did a different show every night every week so wednesdays and thursdays were in chinese Fridays and Saturdays were in English. Um, I had a cast of 10, six showgirls, four showmen. Um, and we did old school entertainment. So singing and dancing, um, you know, vaudeville, pre-television, really funny, really sexy, um, right on the edge of what you could get away with in China. Um, you know, to the point where we had a very big success there. And then um, we got thrown out of China. So uh, we got word that we had basically like 36 hours to get out of town or else we were going to prison for 10 years.
0: Whoa.
1: Long story. Um, and you can read the story in my book, Diary of a Shanghai Showgirl. Um, <laughs> it's available on Amazon. Um, but yeah, so we got thrown out of the country. Um, so, so fast forward a little bit. I ended up here in England. Um, I didn't have a visa. I, I didn't have a job. I didn't know anybody. Uh, we left with two suitcases we lost everything and um and it was it was bad it was sad times you know so that's when i wrote the book um which was really kind of you know therapeutic in a way but uh, but now it's gone on to win a couple of awards and it might be made into a tv series now so um right. keeping my fingers crossed on that
0: okay yeah
1: but um so i'm slowly getting there okay so um so as soon as i got a visa i wanted a job any job i didn't care um So I had a friend who was going to this innovation conference and at the time, I don't even think I realized I knew what innovation meant, but I said, let me go along. I'll host your booth for you. I'll talk to people. I'll meet people, you know, I'll network and maybe somebody will give me a job. So I go and there was this booth a couple over from ours, and it had all this really cool technology. It had like touch screen tables and virtual books and augmented reality and holograms, and I was just so fascinated. I'd never seen anything like it. So I kept going over and asking questions. You know, how does this work? What's it do? What's it for? How much does it cost? And they would tell me, and then I would go and get my people and bring them over and say, "Do you want to see something really cool?" And start explaining to them what had been explained to me. And yeah. somebody finally said, "Do you work for us?" And I said no, but I should. And a week later, I was hired as a marketing assistant at a creative technology agency. And there I worked my way up to become their global head of innovation, um, opening up technology labs in London and Dubai, where people could come and get hands on with these technologies and start to experience them for themselves and recognize the possibilities and the impact on the future. So what was great about this, though, was the timing. So this was 2013. And that's when uh, Google Glass came out and that's when the Oculus Rift got kick-started. So, mm. you know, nobody was an expert on this stuff yet. You know, it was all brand new to everyone. So, um, I really came in at a great time and had and and had this amazing job that I created. The company didn't have this job for me waiting. I kind of was the one saying, you know, we need to be up on this new technology. This is the future. We need to be, you know, thought leaders in this area. So, um so yeah, so it was an incredible time. And then in about 2017, I went freelance. Um, so because I come from a theatrical background, um, and lots of experience speaking on stage, I found that this was actually um, a real asset in the technology industry. In that I think because I don't come from a technology background, I have the ability to take something complex and intimidating and make it accessible to people and hopefully explain it in a way that people can understand. Because I really believe that technology is here to enhance the human experience and and make our lives better and easier, hopefully. Um, yeah, so the last couple of years I've been touring around the world doing talks. Um, I specialize, I guess, in, I would say in XR. So yeah. um, uh, that stands for for extended reality. So virtual augmented mixed reality. And, um, and then I guess I've really become kind of known for not just talking about the potentials and the opportunities of all these emerging technologies, but also the potential risks. Mm. So um, I like to consider myself a cyber optimist, but I think it's very important for us to be aware of potential risks and downfalls so that, you know, we don't fall into these kind of
0: traps. My God, like yes, yeah. uh, no, yeah. God. Like, no. I've got to say that is like a very condensed uh, story indeed, and like yes, that's it's, my three-minute movie. <laughs> it's, it's three-minute three minute movie, three movie of my yeah. life. That'll you know? be like very. It'll be an epic movie. Uh, I'll stay <laughs> in three minutes. It's like, oh, did you see that? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, like one of the things I would say, if you should do that three-minute movie thing. And with your green screen, but I would say, well, it's, I'm not too sure how many days TikTok's got left before it gets, quote unquote, banned uh, in the United States. But right. yeah, I think if you started posting those up, and I swear to God, I've seen, I've drifted into many a TikTok uh, watching Spiral. I think yeah, you'll do very well on that platform for sure. Oh,
1: thanks. Yeah, you know TikTok's one that I have downloaded several times and and you know done one of these for like an hour and then thought, whoa, like I gotta watch my brain. I um, <laughs> I I very much I have a love hate relationship with social media. Um, it's something that I I study and research. Hmm. Um, and and I think you know. I I guess there's it's good to just like remember that you know our bla- our brains are adapting. So every time we we go on these um kind of these platforms or devices, these kind of things, you know mm. our brains start to rewire themselves. You know, and the danger there and and I've experienced myself and and I know that other people I've spoken to have as well is that your attention span you know just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks (laughs) the more time you spend on things like TikTok and stuff the less time the less you know that that you have for like watching a tv show or watching a movie without picking up your phone and without you know having that fomo and all this kind of stuff um yeah so i mean it's definitely an interesting kind of dilemma because you know i'm at the point now where there's other things as as well that i'm launching in my own career Mm. um and TikTok makes sense in a lot of ways but at the same time, it's like, do, how much do I really consciously want to give over parts, chunks of my life and my time and my brain to, you know, this app that uses these algorithms that know me better than I know myself, mm. you know? I don't know if you saw on Facebook this week. um, I'm not even on Facebook. So this was through um, some friends in the news and stuff that they've added. um, You can ask um, if they show you an ad and you don't want to see it. You can say, I don't want to see this. This isn't relevant to me. Or you can say, knows too much. Like it knows too much about me. And and, uh, which basically means that their algorithm is working. It's just scaring me, you know?
0: Mm. Now, the thing what makes me laugh and, like, everyone talks about it at times where when you're like just talking around your phone and you mention a product and that product starts magically appearing uh, throughout your feeds, like, especially with Google, that's like, yes. Like, if you got uh, Gmail, it starts appearing at the top of your sort of email list. Like, hey, have yeah. you thought about this? Uh, hey, have you thought about that? And it just goes all the way through. Like, Facebook, which I'm on just purely for how can i say it's more of a sort of just a communications hub rather than sort of i do anything in depthly on there and like i would say i'm maybe more active than the average user because i have to like use it to promote podcasts and stuff like that but apart from that nah i don't i don't go on it i leave just like on promote
1: yeah i extracted myself from it i guess it was like three or four years ago three years ago now um and it was it was post the election in the states because like that just got messy on facebook you know like i mean family falling Mm -hmm. out and like you know and it's just so and then there was that and then um and then the cambridge analytica scandal (laughs) you know and but educating myself from Facebook took me literally 2 days. Like literally 2 8-hour working days to take all my information off. And I could have just quit and said like, "Oh, I don't want to subscribe anymore, just delete my account." Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make sure that if this was my only opportunity to to see what the data that was that they had on me was and if I could extract it. And I got to say there's probably some like old server out there that has all my information. I'm not, you know, um, I I understand that but I wanted to see I wanted to see if I could take all my data back if I could you know take every post down and all this kind of thing and so many times I got to the end and I thought I had taken taken all my data away extracted myself completely and then this whole new layer came up that I didn't even know about and it was actually the scariest part was right at the end and it was after i'd taken down every single post i'd ever done every picture and stuff and in like the back back of the settings i kind of went through every single little thing Mm. and then the bottom five or something you realize how many companies you have you know um, given your consent to use your data. Um, you know, and these are like restaurants in Malaysia and like, you know, I mean all like hairdressers in Brazil and all this kind of stuff where like I didn't do that, you know, but because I, I ticked yes to something that agreed that I would give all this information away. I mean, it was astounding.
0: Mm, I can imagine, but like, this is the thing you're a futurist right so basically technology is your thing and look, I'll, look I I would like, some people go you love technology Miwa well, but part there's other parts of me where I look at the costs of it all and go I if I really loved it I would most probably be that much more in debt and like yeah literally bankrupt so I, I, I like technology a lot but to sort of go into any sort of social media platform and like go through all the different levels to like remove all that data i most like not without a long youtube tuition video i would have no idea how to do it uh no idea at all <laughs>
1: like how- yeah they, i mean they specifically make it difficult for people to do it you know um Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It took the time. I mean, I think anybody can do it, but it just takes, it just takes a bit of time. Um, you know, and like I said, it's probably still there. The data is probably still there somewhere, you know, and I, yes, I am a futurist and technology is my bag and like, and I love what I do in that I study, you know, the cut, the cutting edge and what's next. And I make, you know, I, we look at what's happened in the past and what's happening today, and we can start to predict what's happening in the future. Um, and I mean, that's the idea. And then, you know, COVID comes along and then it's (laughs) been like, whoa, but, um, actually to be honest, COVID has been very good in a lot of ways for a lot of technology, emerging technologies and, um, um, starting to become more integrated within our lives because there's all of a sudden a sudden need for it. So people are embracing it in a way, um, that, that kind of you know needed to happen it was an industry the xr industry um you know which i've been involved in some time and i actually i host the xr summit um that has been traditionally held in um, amsterdam but this next year it's going to be in barcelona fingers crossed um, but also online and in the metaverse so we're actually doing parts of the conferences in virtual reality um you know, this this is an industry that was that has been ready for um, to get its break essentially, and it's kind of this has kind of happened now um, with things like augmented reality, virtual reality. I mean, I think Burning Man's going on right now, and um, there's a bunch of people gathered in the metaverse, you know, raving and enjoying the DJs and the sculptures and all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I know they've been doing. I and this is not so much with the sort of. Virtual or augmented reality. But in Fortnite, I know they've done some super, like, super big concerts in there. Can't remember the name of the artists, but they've done. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. Travis
1: Scott and Marshmallow. So Travis Scott, I think he had. 12.8 12.8 million viewers for a 15 minute con- con- concert in Fortnite and this was during a time when we were locked down mm-hmm. you know so when people physically can't get together all of a sudden there's 12.8 million people gathered which is the largest gathering of a concert viewing ever in our history you know which is amazing and um and really exciting and then the weekend did one um just recently i think that one was on TikTok yeah, so it's become this entire new uh, venue, and then you see artists also going through Twitch. Twitch is a big one now um, for doing concerts and passing the hat around and things. Yeah.
0: no, that is fascinating because like, I somehow see it like going down, like in like in our lifetime, like Ready Player One, uh, where like people are just sort of like yeah, well they're tuned into a big network and like yeah they're playing like this massive sort of role-playing game there's part of me which is like oh that's sad but there's another part of me which is like quite fascinated by that sort of thing Mm.
1: you know what I think I've been thinking about this a lot personally and um and it's this kind of evolution I think we have this idea that like all of a sudden tomorrow we're all going to become avatars inside Mm. the metaverse but if you think about it right now or you know I mean I don't know how locked down you are where you are but um it's during something like lockdown and, and for me, I'm in London and, you know, we can see people again, um, you know, but it's still, still very weary and, you know, and it's, um, socially distanced and all this kind of stuff. Um, so you think about it, you have who you are in your physical reality, you know, so like my husband sees me and, um, and, you know, and I live in this house and, you know, and occasionally I say hi to my neighbors and that kind of thing. Um, And then we have what, then we have our digital world, you know, so like we're in our digital world right now. Like this is, you know, how you present yourself, um, you know, and, and, and reaching. So it's like, you're going from like talking to one person to, to reaching out to the whole world, any, you know, anyone can see you. Um, and what we're missing is all those kind of like, um, those, those intermediate, um, groups of people. So even just going to the tube station, you know, the guy at the newsstand, you know, like seeing the the, the tube operator in the mornings, um, going to work, having those little social groups and gatherings and how you communicate amongst them. So I, I think my my point is, is that we have this this bridge between our physical selves and our digital selves. Like, we already have almost our own digital, um, um, how, how we show... Avatar, how we show up in the world already because because we 've had to um, and um, and and then this is just starting to evolve, you know like um you know basically it's now things like snapchat filters, all this kind of stuff, and then you know when you're hanging out on um, zooms all these kind of things you know this is this is all stepping stones getting us into hanging out in the 3 d Uh, metaverse. And also um, kind of one thing that I'm interested in also is the future of the internet. So like looking at the XR internet, and um, I have some friends who are working on that right now. Um, And something that's going to be really important there is things like edge computing and 5G. So being able to have the power to make these experiences, um, you know, better quality with less latency, these are all going to just help enable us move that next step further into, um, embracing this kind of 3d digital reality.
0: Right. And like, with like, let's like say the internet 3.0, like, um, or is it the internet 4.0? I'm really sort of like, <laughs> lost track. <laughs> um, yeah. So you mentioned 5g and sort of like that being involved, like what, Like, how do you sort of picture that on a sort of greater scale? Is that going to be a case of just it's going to be the same internet or is it going to be still more walled gardens with regards to, say, um, Facebook or, like, Twitter or something like that where you have, like, specific things? Is it always going to be more free?
1: Okay, yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, One thing I like to say is that the internet is not free. Like, we, we have, as a society, given up a lot for the internet, you know, there's, um, and also, you know, when I'm doing my work and studies with, um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, you know, this kind of expectation that everything is free, you know, is, um, is something that almost becomes something businesses have to contend with, you know, because you expect it to be for free, but then how do you make the money and all this kind of stuff. Um, so with um 5g and edge computing it's actually really interesting at the moment and i'll and i just want to bracket this by saying i'm not an expert on this particular topic but i'm learning about it all the time and um i don't claim to be an expert on anything i just like to i'm, le- I'm constantly absorbing stuff and um and kind of like to share what i know and hopefully um that helps people understand it and um, and and it adds value to people's lives. Mm. But um, so with 5G and edge computing, what that means is that instead of going through the cloud, which sends signals and data through this large space, it means that um, it's actually closer to your computer. So so the time between the data getting to your computer is just a lot shorter. So it's a lot faster. Um, And where this where we predicted that this was going to go was in this kind of um, privatized space so for instance like a university campus would have 5g and be edge enabled you know and then if you go off the campus then you have slower internet because, you know. Um, But what's really interesting now is because everybody's working from home and everybody's dispersed, what makes a bit more sense is going for a decentralized model. So everybody is benefiting from the same kind of speed, except that brings in the big question, who's going to pay for it?
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: you're not going to get all the global leaders in the world to decide we're gonna fund this program for everyone you know so um so it just becomes um yeah it's a big question but it's it's an exciting kind of time to see what happens um and then you know the so so you mentioned some of the big um social media platforms i think i'll give you an example of of something that that caught my eye. So there's this there's a startup in London who I did some work with called uh, Scape, and they geotag artificial reality. So you can have this digital. Um, like a a digital experience or something. And it can be locked into a physical place. So if I'm going down the street with my phone, and I look at a building, I might be able to see, you know, what the history, what the history of the building was, what it looked like, I might be able to see if my friends were there before. And if they've placed their pictures there, Um, they're a very cool company, have a look at them. Um, But they've been bought by Facebook for 40 million. So where you have like a company and a new technology that, that, you know, could potentially become a rival, these bigger companies are buying them up. Mm. And, you know, not, I'm not saying in that case, but in other cases, we're also seeing something that happens in the music industry all the time. So like, if you have an artist who you're really pushing and believe in, and you see somebody else who's like them coming up, you'll go and snatch them up and stop their career so that you can keep putting your person up. And so we're seeing that happen with some of the startups and some of these big companies now too. Um, You know, So we are um, now starting to see governments take an interest in how we can kind of maybe put a cap on the monopoly or what that would look like um, so that some of these smaller companies actually can play. Because the truth is, is that these bigger companies just have so much money that it makes it impossible for um, anybody who wants to come up to rival them to do so. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I do think that we're going to see them evolve. I mean, for all Facebook's, you know, faults, (laughs) Um, they are at the edge of innovation. They do put a lot of time and money, Google as well, you know, Mm -hmm. they are um, invested in the future. I think it's going to be really interesting when Apple come out with their AR glasses, this could be a really big turning point um, because, you know, all the power would be in your phone, Um, whereas some of the companies that are coming out now, they still have all the power in the glasses, so they're a bit heavy, they're a bit unstylish, um, but, you know, this could be the next iPad, the next iPod, the next iPhone, you know, the next must have item for people to have. And right there, that's going to change how we communicate. Um, taking it from this kind of like heads down, you know, isolated experience into a heads up, eyes open, hands free way of communicating again. I personally think this will be a really good thing for people. Um, Making making our physical worlds more inclusive and then um, and then choosing when to interact with the digital or when not to
0: Yeah, no, like this is the thing uh, These points bring up a number of things uh, To mind when you like especially when you just said inclusive like one of the things like What's been highlighted I say with this lockdown is with regards to Society in some respects is sort of like slightly splitting I'm not too sure how wide that is to people who have access to the internet and like the faster speeds and to people who have not uh, there was I think this was in California where there was these two girls who were using uh, the wi-fi I, I can't remember if it was a taco bell or something like that uh, to basically do their schoolwork and it was like there's a there was a gold fund me and everything like that to help them out eventually. But those are two girls who managed to capture the spotlight. And it makes me think how many other people, and look, I, I mentioned America, but that's because that story came to light, but over here as well. Because- well,
1: yeah. I mean, during this lockdown, it's really shed a light on that, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the, and, and, you know, they're already saying the difference between, you know, kids who had parents who taught them every day versus kids whose parents had to go out and work and who didn't get that kind of, um, um attention or or who didn't have internet access all these kind of things the disparity that we have there is a real problem um mm. when it comes to inequality that is is on us to to figure out you know it's it is becoming it's it's not uh, it's not fair you know at this point you know it has to um <laughs> i mean it's you it's it's crazy to say it, but it almost makes you think like the internet is a human right <laughs> like you know like, I mean, but that's, um, that's almost true. where we're at, right? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's You true. know, and you- Sure. And you, you had mentioned, um, you know, this kind of polarization of people. Hmm. This, is, this is something that I've also been looking at um, quite intently um, and, and also kind of along through, through the lens of things like deep fakes. So um, deep fakes are when you see videos or hear sounds that aren't real. And what the effect is on a society where we can no longer trust what we see and what we hear. So, you know, for instance, four years ago, there was that video of um, the US president talking about grabbing a woman. You know, he had to apologize for it, one of his only apologies. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but now yeah. it's saying that was a deep fake. I didn't say that. Mm. You know, they made th- some robot, some bot you know, put words in my mouth and that wasn't me. You know, so what happens when we live in a world where nobody has to take responsibility in that way? You know, so if you can't, if you can't prove it, then you can't defend it. If you can't, you know, all these kind of things. And what that means is that people then start to silo and polarize and and say well this is the new source i trust this is this is who i listen to mm-hmm. this is who i listen to and the, and and they just rub up against each other they don't there is no give or take there's no commonality of what we can trust and what we can't trust
0: mm. yeah no like this is the thing yes the whole deep fake thing like it was it was four years ago it was like oh it was very much uh a black mirror type thing and you're like kind of like seeing it on the fringe coming in now (laughs) it Uh, is even it's yeah it's quite scary
1: i mean and when it comes to like extortion we're Mm. seeing this now in a corporate sphere where people are getting voicemails or um or even video of their ceo saying, I need you to release these funds into my account right now, um, you know, because such and such happened, Mm -hmm. and you're seeing the person, and you're hearing the person, and you've known them 10 years, so you go ahead and do it, and it turns out that that was a deep fake, Um, and the evolution of this, um, you know, could be, well, um, (laughs) I'm, Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, there's, I'm, I'm not gonna get started. Actually, it's a whole rabbit hole there. But yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, I got. It. Oh my lord, no, you're gonna have to have a sort of two forms of verification before you actually do anything. <laughs> Absolutely. The phone. Yeah.
1: Well, more than that. Yeah. It's. Yeah. No. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like going back to you know having to see somebody in person eye to eye or get something handwritten or, you know, I mean, it's, it is crazy. Like, what are the answers here? You know, it's, um, it's almost like, also, you know, there's a big argument to back things up, um, analog now, because, you know, should something happen, you know, there's, um, we, we, uh, we start to lose everything, you know, um, there's a lot of value that we keep in the cloud and that we keep online. Um, in this data,
0: yeah, ah, uh, there was this random TV show on Netflix uh, where, like, this these kids from like a town they go on a school field trip, and when they come back, they've come back to uh, it seems like it's their town, but it's like yeah, there's no adults around, and basically it's just these kids, and it's kind of as time goes by, it goes a little bit with Lord of the Flies ish but like then this whole t- little this t- whole town doesn't have internet and they were like going um yeah what what's this music because they were trying to do a school dance just to have some sort of realm of like normalcy and it was like going, yeah yeah no one can access like apple like iTunes or anything like that because it's like it's all on the internet and we don't have that anymore and it was just like kind of like yeah the reliance on the internet and like if it did just vanish one day, like that, like movies, music, all of that.
1: Photographs, you yeah. know. Like, I mean, that's what I mean. We have our identities, this like this identity that we want to portray of ourselves online. And and more and more I see that disparity between people in real life and people in their online life, mm-hmm. um, you know, not the online not necessarily reflecting, you know, the offline. I mean, you see it all the time, day in, day out, people, you know, um, especially during these times and things. And, uh, and yeah, so it's almost like to lose that whole identity um, would be massive.
0: Mm. Like, so with regards to yourself, what is like, what has been your favorite piece of technology over the last say five years?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, it's funny. The first one that came to mind was uh, my Bose AR sunglasses, which are my sunglasses that play music. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's simple, but I love it, you know, and I take them with me everywhere I go. And um Yeah. And they're very cool. And then, I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, right now I'm looking at this little box that I have that it's this little 4G box that I had to get when we locked down because my office is up in the top of my house and I had to upgrade my internet and everything like that. But um, for talks like these, where you just really can't have internet failures, I've got this little 4G box that I plug in. I put my SIM card from my phone in and it gives me the best internet and it means that when I go camping or when I'm you know, on the road or something, I can always bring it with me just to ensure that I have great access to internet everywhere I go.
0: Ah, superb, superb. Now, <clears throat> now,
1: but actually wait a second sorry can i answer another another part of that because because yeah. maybe the most cutting oh actually i get there's probably there's multiple if i'm talking about like cutting edge like new technology there's okay there's two that i'm going to talk about so wow. one is called ultra leap and this allows you to feel virtual touch in midair so it use high, high speed audio waves so ultrasound technology and they send currents up in the air so when So you don't have to touch anything, but you can feel like you're touching buttons or flipping switches or turning dials, all these things. So what we found is that, you know, in the metaverse or, um, you know, just in general, we can do things with gestures now, but Mm. the brain is not happy and not satisfied because the brain wants to know I pressed that button. And so what this does is this gives that kind of feedback, um, even when you're just um, gesturing in the metaverse or in thin air. But then you also think about it right now, you know, they came out, I think it was a year or so ago, they said that every screen on McDonald's that you go to order, the touch screens, 100% of them have fecal matter on them, right? So that's disgusting, right? Think about ATM machines. Think about like those little buttons that you press when you go to walk across the street like nobody wants to touch that stuff anymore you know so this is to me like a great solution for all these kind of problems and then also helping to solve you know the health crisis that we're in right now you know so um, love that technology that's my favorite um and then Another one that just came to mind was this one called Voxin. So this is a startup out of Australia and I come from kind of like a technology agency background and Mm. we always get these calls all the time. So I want this hologram. So basically like holograms are a myth, you know, like um, they they don't actually exist, you know, um, in the idea of the Princess Leia. That's the idea, you know, Princess Leia. That's what everybody wants. Um, So this product that they have um, called Voxin, this is the closest thing I've ever seen to it. And, and I'm a hard person to impress. And I was very impressed with this. Um, so basically you can have, it's, it's, you can stand all around it. So you can have a 360 hologram that appears in front of you and you can interact with it through a dial. Um, and, um, and it's, and it's the most impressive kind of I still, I still use quotes because it, a true hologram just kind of like appears out of nowhere, you know, and um, yeah. um, but this is the closest thing I've seen to that. So that is very cool. And again, with things like um, so it's demonstrating things like 5G right now and being able to do phone calls. So being able to FaceTime and it's like you and I talking, but having your 3D 360 degree head mm. talking in front of me, you know, it's cool stuff.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I've got to say, yeah. No, I've got to say, like, uh, when you said the whole like McDonald's screen, I was like, oh, like, the pictures in my head, which came to it are I trying, I haven't had McDonald's for some time, but that's another thing we'll be like, no, I, I don't want McDonald's ever. <laughs> ever. But, like, yeah, but uh, having something which you can, like, just simply just, like, yeah, if you're typing and, like, just in thin air, and to have that sort of response, I imagine that's gonna be coming more so with a higher degree of accuracy over time. But that is, wow, yeah. And I can imagine that with regards to computer games as well, uh, like in the real, oh, that is fantastic.
1: I like well, that. Yeah, and incorporating it into things like virtual reality. So you're seeing something virtual, hearing something virtual and touching mm-hmm. something digital. It tricks the brain that much more in- to believing that it's having a real experience, um, you know, and then, and then that brings up all kinds of other questions too. Like, um, you know, for instance, there's things um, like gaming transfer phenomenon, which is actually recognized by the World Health Organization. Um, and, and that's when you spend too much time in a video game, you start to see and hear things from the video game inside your real life. So people who play Minecraft a lot, um, experience this. So they start to see things in boxes or hear things from the game. And that's just on a 2D screen. So if you think about it, if we're engaging all our senses in this 360 space, the, the chances of, of having that kind of um, um, impact could be greater. And I have friends who develop inside these virtual worlds. And they say that, you know, after work, when they've left They leave the headset behind their instincts to walk into traffic because, you know, inside VR, you can walk into traffic and nothing happens, you know, and it's this kind of dislocation that has happened because during that time, your brain has started to rewire itself and, and, and decide this is where I am. And then, and it takes you know we're gonna have to look at that how we transition back into the real world or whatever um to avoid those kind of accidents. But then it brings up things like, you know, the the black market and the dark web coming mm-hmm. into these spaces as well and you know and and what you know how we patrol that. Um or uh yeah I mean there's all kinds of things. I wrote a report um I guess it was two years ago now for Lloyds of London on the emerging risks of the new realities. Um, it's still out there and it's still quite relevant. Um, but yeah, it really explores these kind of areas.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a case of how much access will they sort of give in the virtual world compared to how connecting it with the real world, because with regards to sort of online transactions. And if you think about like, sort of, um, like, um, not freemium, but like, you you know, like any games like sort of like Candy Crush or like, yeah, um, any like sort of continuously play mobile game, if that's going on and you've got all of your senses engaged and like, you know how people can get really intense with that. And you mentioned Minecraft with the 2D. um, I can see people like paying out a lot of money to progress in a game, which is actually... Not feels real, but is real in many respects. If you're actually having that physical reaction, so, yeah, yeah and a- it
1: is real. I mean, you just nailed it. You know, there's um, we call it virtual reality and stuff, but mm-hmm. the brain doesn't know that it's not real.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Line from the Matrix comes to mind. With all it is, is just a series of electrical responses. Like <laughs> so, yeah, that is uh, definitely. <laughs> a, I wouldn't say scary But it's definitely food for thought uh, For the future And hope, uh, let's hope There are better people than, uh, than I To sort of like put in some sort of um, Restraints and measures Or like yeah Just to like protect people from themselves In some respects Because yeah
1: Well, you know, and you think about it, things like the dark web and stuff going into the metaverse, if people can experience or do things that are illegal, um, socially frowned upon, that they can't do in their real life, um, you know, and have those kind of experiences, we don't yet know what the impact is there. So if you can get away with something in the metaverse, does that make somebody more inclined to think that they can get away with doing something in real life? And then, if they are committing acts of crime, um, you know, under under what we think of as crime within the metaverse, um, you know, is that something that that we can that, that is punishable? And how do you punish that? Mm-hmm. Or um, or is that something that we treat with, um, you know, um, mental health facilities and therapy? I mean, it's it's this whole kind of new world that is being unleashed that that a lot of people haven't quite considered and looked at yet.
0: No, I think it's one of those things because it's so big and there is so many sort of different paths and avenues to go down with it. There is going to be lots of things which will be missed uh, with regards to that. And now with regards like with the sort of darker nature of the human race as it can be. yeah, there there are going to be quite a lot of like sort of discussions which I think need to be had. If you're doing like if you've got a game which is technically reality, just like a a wisp away from reality, what what can you let in that game? Because look, um, Grand Theft Auto, which is quite clearly a game, but let's just say if you if anyone. Acted like that in real life, uh, there would be. Uh, there's no regen in a that host- like your nearest hospital or coming out of a nearest police station. They would lock people up immediately. And if they're in a like if they've got a game which is just on the just away from that, yeah, I think some people might have a defence. They're like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but let me see. Like, using my supreme cosmic powers, I, I can only use it like uh, towards the end of a podcast. Like, what wish would I be able to fulfill for you? And it can't be like 50 million donuts because I can't do that. It's socially responsible. What wish would that be?
1: Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Um, what wish? Mm. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm... hmm. It's funny, I'm at a place in my life where I have a lot of, of, of good things, you know, and I don't wish for too much. Um, I got to say, I mean, <laughs> I guess my biggest wishes now are to be able to travel again and yeah. to get on planes again. Um, I was watching a movie yesterday and he got on a plane and I almost cried. <laughs> <laughs> I want um,
0: to go with you. Hey. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. I'm like almost getting verklept just thinking about it. Um, yeah, I really miss going outside of my house and my world and, um, and seeing other people. Um, I, I can't wait for the time I get to see my whole family back in the States again. Mm. Um, those are probably, probably my biggest wishes. And then I guess, um, I don't know. This is just coming to me. And it's, and it's, it it might not make, I don't know how much sense it makes, but almost for people to just be nicer to everyone. Like everybody just needs to be a bit like nicer and understand that we're all going through a hard time right now. You know, this is a trauma on everyone. And I think, you know, cutting some people, some slack and, you know. the trolls, like you know, it's just ridiculous, you know. I saw in the paper today there was somebody who wanted, um, who was putting an ad out for an employee, and they asked for a happy person, and they got told that they were discriminating against miserable people. <laughs>
0: oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, and I just that that'll be the person just turned, This is why you should you need not apply. Thank you. Yeah. Move on. Oh my lord. Uh, uh. <laughs> Like that, that it's just sad that you had to like put down. I just want to have a happy person, <laughs> someone just cheery, just like you know. What I mean, I turn to them, kind of like like a big dumb Labrador. they I was like, hey, I want to be your friend and just be happy. You know, like, I like, mean,
1: like, honestly, like you know, I've worked with enough people now that that goes such a long ways. <laughs> <You> know, just <laughs> having a positive attitude and a bit of a sense of humor, you know.
0: Yeah. But then for people to go, oh, you're discriminating against the people who are not happy. But you know, like, well, why a,
1: can't we? I think maybe we I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, why, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah. I think the world today and um, I think it might be the like twenty twenty mm, like has driven some people a little bit bonkers uh, <laughs> a little bit too much cabin fever maybe yeah but yeah. Uh, I think it's one of the things I think people need to do more so is have like have conversations I don't mean like oh how are you how are the kids how are the family just like yeah proper conversations they might not be the most comfortable things sometimes to have but I think through good conversation where like you can bring it aside the other person can bring aside. I think that's where growth and that's where the positivity lives. Because if you like go, right, what you're saying makes no sense. And they go, what you're saying makes no sense. But this thing we just talked about, there's bits of that what does make sense. Yes. That's the way forward. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, and to your point too, people can't be afraid to have those conversations mm. because, you know, there's this whole ca- cancel culture thing, I think makes people afraid to have the hard conversations that need to have, yeah. you know? And I think that's, um, you know, when it comes to a democracy, being able to have points of views and opinions and be able to speak um, and to learn, you know, um, from others, I think that is, is it becomes a threat to democracy when people are too afraid to ask questions and, to, and to, to, to talk about how they feel and their opinions.
0: Yeah, and like this is the thing, like it leads to fear, it leads to resentment, and then ultimately that, like, that very thing which you like, everyone loves, like their democracy, their house, their home, their homeland, like however you want to describe it, before you know it, it's torn apart and it is gone and it like too many people are just like yeah i tried to speak out i tried to learn something new and i got punished for it and yeah. too much pun- like punishment 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 doesn't lead to any sort of growth whatsoever and i think if it continues like this Uh, we'll fall back. Like, we might go ahead on technology-wise, but we'll fall back on a sort of social level. We'll fall back on that sort of next level of growth. And like, yeah, uh, Gen Z will inherit a world which is less fruitful. And like, I don't know what's after Gen Z. Is it Gen Alpha? Gen
1: Alpha. Yeah. Well, and also you don't want it to all just go like, gray and beige you know you want to have the colors you want to have like you know all the different um, parts of the spectrum you know Um, because that's what makes it a beautiful world it Mm. doesn't you know there's a there's a chance that it all becomes homogenized and we're all saying the same thing thinking the same thing doing the same thing and then where our brains are controlled you know we become very much more susceptible to bad things
0: yeah but this whole thing like when it's face to face like amongst or amongst your group of your peers, you'll be saying these things to just fit in, to just keep like going along, just to keep it all level. And yeah, it'll be a case of Yeah, in that type of environment you don't learn anything. In that type of environment you don't grow. And there will be some people which will not be in the best place. And like they will either be in a world of trouble, like mentally or they'll just be literally trying to scream out, like, I want to know this. Why can't I learn this? And, like, that might lead to some extreme reaction in some way, which mm. it could have been resolved with a half an hour, an hour conversation.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Mm. But, yes. Uh, and can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so my name, ameliacallman.com is my website. And then also on Twitter, my handle is ameliacallman. Um, and that's A-M-E-L-I-A-K-A-L-L-M-A-N.
0: Yes, now, for a moment there, I did almost call you Emily. I don't know why. I think I had a sort of flashback of a friend in uh, my summer camp days, but that's another uh-uh. story. <laughs> but yes. Oh thank you for coming on today. <laughs>
1: it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Pleasure having you on. I'd like to say thank you once again. I'd like to say thank you uh, to you, uh, my friends out there, to my life warriors. Uh, stay well, stay safe. Be awesome. Be excellent. Be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world. And then son, ah, have a great day, guys. Peace. And we are,